do we have any text messages? We do have text messages. We have those things that come through on your phone to talk about. So let's talk about them. Uh, just the one, I think. So let's see here. It's a, it's a, it's a long one, though. It's got a lot to talk about. Mm. Um, I always had great concerns when sex education started in schools about 40 years ago. Question mark. I'm not sure how long ago it started. I know that it didn't exist in school. In the school that I went to. Yeah, but you went to school went with, to. like, three people. So, yeah, in Tasmania. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it was actually awesome. Our, our school, my primary school, uh, during my years of primary school, which wasn't many because I didn't go to school for a long time. I just sort of stayed home and played in the bush, which was the best school ever. But I think I started school in year four. And uh, the t- while I was there, our entire school averaged between 8 and 12 students. That's amazing. Year to year. It was so amazing. And that's and that's years 1 through 6. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I remember in my last year, year 6, there were 3 of us in year 6. Wow, big yeah, class. Yeah, big class. Big class right there. It was the it was the, the best memories ever. Okay. So anyway, where was I? Well, how to get distracted? Well, I always had great concerns when sex education started in schools about 40 years ago. A great fear came into my mind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butt in here again. You know, I think that sex education should not have started in schools for children. I think it should have started with educating adults to talk to children. Mm. Because we did have a situation in the past where, uh, we used to just not talk about this kind of stuff. Mm. My, 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 my grandfather, who who has now passed away, and my grandmother, who have both passed away, but my grandfather, on his wedding night, had to explain to my grandmother the facts of life. How awkward would that be? Yeah, wow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we needed to do something about that. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to have that kind of thing happening. Mm. But, yeah, educate parents on how and when to talk to their kids. Mm. Because if you don't talk to your kids, your kids are going to, and you need to talk to your kids a lot younger now than what you used to because they are going to get their sex education from their screens mm. and you want them to get their sex education from you as a parent rather than from their screens mm. or at school. Be a parent. All right. A great fear came to my mind of what the future would hold for the children. Looks like all the parents who thought like me were correct. If you look at it as things happen, it was a totally orchestrated agenda for the destruction of the children. And I would add to that the destruction of the family. Mm. You know, this is one of the reasons why in the book of Malachi, the Bible says at the end of time, one of the greatest messages that Christianity will take to the world is the restoration of the family. Yeah, okay. Because the family is, there's, there's probably nothing in the world that is under greater attack, no, no part of society under greater attack right now than the family. Mm. Uh, where did we get up to? Uh, when we add to that the sex, games, entertainment industry, pornography, the next generation of leaders come out of this, what, yeah, what will the next generation of leaders be like to come out of this mess? Mm. They did the same thing to the young men and women of the 60s with the hippie movement. The whole plan is to destroy morality. And we are left with people thinking evil continually. Well, that's what the Bible says that it was like just before God closed probation on the whole world the last time at the flood. 
Mm. The thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continually, and that's pretty much where we see our world heading. And I think it's like because because people like make Christians make that point, and then I think the maybe the secular rebuttal is like, oh, but you know, evil is just like defi- defined by you know whatever. Like it's your your own moral standard. Like uh, who who are you to say that, uh, that what I'm doing is evil? Um, but then the next point that the Bible says in Genesis when it says the thoughts of men were evil continually. And the world was filled with violence, and so this That's is right. this is the important step: is that we're going to see Absolutely. it's going to be the, this clear link where we see this evil linked with violence, violence. with harm, with just terrible. Sadness. We are doing more than we have ever done before to reduce domestic violence, and domestic violence is just increasing, 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 increasing. Yeah, well. We have done more than we have ever done before to educate people to uh, to talk about sexual abuse and rape and so forth, and it's just increasing, increasing, increasing. Mm. Because while we talk about it, we, we, we wring our hands and we say, this is terrible, we flood the world with immorality, and mm. if you flood the world with immorality, this is the natural result. Uh-huh, 100%. Uh, do you think Satan's plan worked? He hates everyone, even those working for him, and will also destroy them. Lord, come soon, please. Mm. So it's the end of that text message. Very good text message there. And then, of course, same person texts through with uh, bragging rights for the answer to the quiz, which, of course, was Jeremiah. Yes. Okay, you've been hearing about it on the ads playing through The Breakfast Show, and you're going to continue hearing about it on Faith FM, uh, the end.digital. It is coming up on the 14th of July. Put it in your calendar. Make sure you don't miss it. Uh, Sharissa Tarosin and myself will be raising all kinds of issues in the end of, in the end.digital where we talk about the end of time. Mm. What will the world be like at the end of time? And so if you would like to uh, be a part of that program, then go to the end.digital. You will find all the details there. 14th of July, we begin. Nice. Yes. Invite your friends. Have a watch party. Oh, 100%. I'm so keen. Or fully live. To be in the comments. Fully live. Fully just, live. just join us right there <laughs> and it's going to be fantastic. Ah, That's awesome. Numbers chapter one. Oh, all right. Let's go. Numbers chapter Numbers one. Numbers chapter we one. We don't head there very often. No, we don't. Mm. How often does? Uh, how often have you preached a sermon on Numbers chapter one? I think I maybe use verses from Numbers. Like, you haven't preached on. I've, I don't think I've preached a sermon from Numbers. Honestly, I don't know that I have either. Like, I've been preaching for a long time. Maybe I have. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I've used a verse that. from Numbers. No, of course, I've heard a sermon from Numbers from Numbers chapter 19. It was really, really good. Oh, cool. So I'm like, it was about like this the the um, purification ceremony when someone would become unclean and they would cleanse them. And it was about and how there was a sermon on that. Yeah, and it was about about how the whole thing alluded to Jesus. It's like wow, it was really, really cool. I'd like to hear that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That sounds fascinating. Okay, so we're talking about restless people this week. We finished off last week talking about Cain, who uh, lived without rest mm-hmm. throughout his entire life of 900-some years. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty rough. Yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the theme of this uh, Bible study that we're going to be doing, or that we're in the middle of, or that we've just started, I'll get there in the end, uh, is all about rest. Mm. And if we understand lack of rest, it can help us to understand rest. 100%. Yeah. I'm going to put this out at the beginning of this Bible study just as a statement. And that is the wealthiest person in the world 
is someone who is content. You Ooh. cannot be wealthier than contentment. Wow. That's an impossibility. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's my profundity for the day. A wise person once said that. <laughs> it was you. It was me. <laughs> Just then. You heard it here on Faith FM. Uh, no, I actually heard somebody make a similar statement to that in the past, and it really stuck in my head. You mm. cannot have greater wealth than contentment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So that thought is really going to underline what we read here in Numbers chapter 11. So let's start in verse 1 and we will read a few verses and see where we go. Numbers 11. Numbers 11, verse 1. We're going to read the whole chapter before we're finished with this. Oh, let's go. All right, Numbers 11 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. We don't have to go any further. (laughs) How wealthy were these people? Um, Well... They're in a weird situation because they just plundered Egypt, but they lived in the middle of the wilderness. Uh-huh. So, I would say- They plundered the, plundered the wealthiest the wealthiest nation on earth. Mm-hmm. So, as far as gold and silver and that kind of stuff goes, they're dripping in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. They're, they're, they are fabulously rich. Yeah. Beyond imagination rich. Mm. But on the scale of contentment, if we say that the wealthiest person is the person who is content- how wealthy are they? They're incredibly poor. They, these guys are dirt poor. Yeah. They are broke. I love it. It's like soon the people give, begin to complain about their hardship. Like, yes. you know, if you're, you're viewing your hardships as something to complain about in, in that sense, that it's so overwhelming to you that it's time to complain. It's Yeah, they're not they're not content. So they were just slaves. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, worked to death slaves. Yeah. You know, seven days a week. 12, 17 hours a day, whatever it might be, mm. worked. They, they were they were treated and lived as animals. Mm. And now they're living in the wilderness where all of their needs are provided for. Wow. They never have to worry about where the next meal comes from. They have good food every day and an abundance of it. They have material wealth. But they're not content. Mm. All right, sorry, I butted in. Let's keep reading. We continue on in verse 1. The Bible says, um, And the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent fire, a fire to rage among them. And, dest- and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. And he prayed to the Lord, and the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as Taborah, which means the place of burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling, uh, sorry, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave good things from Egypt. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. We talk about the foreign rabble mm. in the King James version. It calls them the mixed multitude. Mm. Okay, who were these people, and why were they there? These are people who left Egypt. Who were who were Egyptians? Yes, who left Egypt with the Israelites? Yes, because they were like seeing the plagues, and they're like, "Oh man, that God is really real." Yes, so we're just going to join them. They're actually, you know, they cop a lot of bad publicity in the Bible because they are the ones who are the quickest to turn to idolatry. They yeah. are the ones who are quickest to complain, etc. And you can p- kind of understand why. Mm. But at the same time, while they cop a lot of bad flack, 
I actually have a much higher level of respect for them than what I do for the um, Egyptians who stayed. Yeah, well. Because, you know, these were people who actually stopped and thought about it and a lot of these people kept the Passover because mm. they saw the evidence and they went with went with where the evidence took them rather than uh, just, you know, being stubborn. Mm. They, they didn't harden their hearts. And so, yeah, I think we need to give these people credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, but you can at the same time understand, all right, these guys didn't actually come from slavery. Hmm. But they still don't have anything to worry about because their needs are provided for and they have fabulous amounts of wealth. Yes. It would be the smart thing to do from a financial perspective if you were an Egyptian at that particular time. You kind of have the choice of be plundered or plunder. travel with <laughs> the Israelites and plunder. Yeah. I guess there'd probably be some selfish people amongst there as well who were just mm. like, I'm not interested in Israel, Israel's God, but this is where the wealth is right now and I'll follow the money. I th- you know, it's interesting here, like, as you said, they get a bad rap. Yes. And I'm also kind of like, well, you could probably have put a bit of the blame on Israel themselves. Like, you know, maybe if Israel did a more thorough job at, educating them and being great witnesses oh, and examples of absolutely. God uh, and, and and actually had a genuine interest in converting these people rather than just letting them tag along, then you wouldn't run into situations like this. Um, but, well, I, I, just, I don't know. I just look at my own life and I'm like, man, I was one of the rabbles, bro. I was, uh, you know, I come from a rabble family, like 100%. Like, and, and yet I'm a Christian Lawson's today. family's listening in this morning. <laughs> but, like, yet I'm a Christian today. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's because of the effort that those who were our followers of Jesus took to don't get me in. And so I'm kind of like, oh, come on, come on, Israel, step it up. But anyways, uh, I guess it continues on here and it says, <clears throat> we remember, so they've just uh, claimed, they're like, hey, look, we want the meat. We, we want to eat food from Egypt. And then, and then they continue on. They say, we remember the fish we used to eat from uh, for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Yeah, wow. Which is pretty, like, hectic. It's like, you know, they're going to starve in the desert, so God, like, drops food from heaven, and they're like, this is the worst. We hate this. <laughs> you don't have to work. You don't have to grow anything. You don't have to tend stock. You don't have to do any of that. In fact, you can let your cattle breed up mm. and you don't have to be butchering them or killing them at any time. Mm. You can let your wealth increase. Um, that's something to complain about. Yeah. You know, I guess we have a similar version to this in, in our modern age, you know, very uh, inexpensive food that, Gets, you, know. you know, we do. Here in Australia, we do. Mm. We really do. Because we are rich and increased with goods and in want of nothing. Yeah. You know, if you live in Australia, you're like in one of the top 1% of the wealthiest people of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just, just because you live here. Mm. For no other reason. Yeah. Uh, you and I have travelled to plenty of places and seen, you know, how the rest of the world lives. Mm. And it's not like we live here in Australia. Mm. And yet, do we have contentment? Yeah, wow. Well. Or are we always looking for something else, mm. something more? Mm. 
Yeah. I feel like there's an interesting psychological question there, like about our brains. And it's like, you know, if we're introduced to more variety and more things, like does that inherently make us less content? If we have more options, does that make us less content? There's actually, oh, I actually read a study about this. I forget what the name is, but it's, it's, it's essentially a curb of satisfaction with the amount of um, options you have. And it's if you have, like, no options, then you're very unsatisfied. If you have, like, a few options, then you're very satisfied. But then once you start to add more and more options, you become less and less satisfied with your choice because there's the potentiality that you could have chose better. So there's a sweet spot. Yeah, of, like, only a few. That's that's really interesting. And I feel like this is we get to see a little bit of a keyhole into this psychology. Like, So God has actually created a sweet spot right here of just a few different options. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not just one thing, and it's not um, a multitude of things. Mm. He's actually put them in the sweet spot where they have the best potential for being content. But this is, I think this is the interesting thing, is that he's put them in the sweet spot because of, like, particularly with the Egyptians, because of the previous exposure that they've had to, um, yeah, just this very, like... Um, sense satisfying life you could say uh because they've had exposure to that they're 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 like oh no we're not content with this they're longing for something else which is interesting because during this time like they're not only longing longing to just eat different food they're also like longing the israelites themselves are longing to be slaves again like i feel like this is just a you know part of their problem which is that they're in love with slavery. They're in love with sin. They're in love with the world. And you see this, you know, through... The Bible says, dog returns to its vomit. Yeah. Mm. It's humans. Yeah, 100%. It's humans right there. It's like, let's go back to Egypt. Yeah. Wow, what verse did we get up to? We got up to verse 6, I believe. Uh, let's, 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 let's read a few more. All right. The manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or by pounding it with mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flake, flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Moses heard all the families standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Before we get back into our Bible study, uh, the quiz has already been done, but before we get back into our Bible study, we were talking earlier Mm -hmm. about the increase in domestic violence Mm -hmm. and how that we've got this weird situation in the world while we are you know, trying to do everything we can to tackle domestic violence and normalising porn at the same time. Mm. And you're just never going to solve, you know, solve the solution while you've got the problem just expanding all over the place. Mm. Former police officer has texted in to give some insight into the subject of domestic violence, and I think it's an interesting uh, text message to read here. It says, The guidelines of what constitutes a defined domestic relationship are so broad that it potentially messes up the numbers and takes away time from the capacity for police to actually put the time in requires in that requires uh, that's required for legitimate victims suffering in a domestic relationship if i live on a university campus with someone for 4 months mm-hmm. and 20 years later we live a thousand miles apart but we meet up and get into a fist fight 
it becomes a domestic violence incident because of our history. Mm-hmm. The investigation and paperwork time increases and takes away from the time that could be used to help those truly in need. Having said that, I have no answer on how to fix this. I'll leave it to Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I think the only answer to that mm. is for Jesus to come back soon. Mm. Anyway, I just thought that was a, uh, a quite an interesting insight uh, into that whole uh, situation right there. All right, let's get back to our Bible study. What verse did we get up to? Uh, I believe we got up to verse 12. Yeah, where they're complaining. They're whining. Yeah. The Bible says they're whining. Mm, yeah, verse 11. Offer them some cheese with that wine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like Moses is over it, dude. Okay, okay, he is over it. So he's kind of suffering from some discontent as well. He's not exactly the wealthiest person on the planet right now either, is he? Yeah, but he's just like, I think, and this is the problem, is that Moses uh, has a relationship with God and the rest of them don't. Like, and Moses, like, oh, there's the, what's the, what's the movie called? The, 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 it was like a DreamWorks movie that was about the story of Moses. It's got this song in it. It's like, you know, it's like a musical and it's about the story of Moses and, and the Israelites coming out. Uh, it's, uh, Moses, Prince of Egypt. And it's like, there's this song in it called, um, if you look from heaven's eyes. And like the point is actually very biblical that like Moses started to see things like, you know, he goes to Midian, he's like, Life falls apart. He's like, what am I supposed to do? But he starts to see things from heaven's eyes, seeing that God can actually work through him and deliver the Israelites. Like God is in control. And this Moses is still looking that way. Like when he's seeing the Israelites in their situation, like they're being fully provided for in the desert. He's like, oh, wow, God is doing such an amazing thing through us and in us. And this is incredible. And everyone is like whining and complaining. Like, oh, this is terrible. Like, why are we even here? And Moses is not stoked. Like, Moses is not no. happy. Like <laughs> he's, he's well, it says here. It's, I love what this says. They're all whining. He, Moses hears them whining in the standing and in the doorways of their tents and whining, and he becomes incredibly angry and aggravated. Mm-hmm. Mm. Keep reading. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? He's like, why have you put me with these people? Why are you treating me so terribly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Uh, Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to land? to the land you swore to give their ancestors. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me from this misery. Yeah, wow. Imagine being so fed up with some people that you're just like, kill me, I'm done. (laughs) That's heavy. This is really heavy stuff. It's one of those Mm. few places in the Bible where somebody asks God to kill them. Mm. And you've got Jonah. Like, I'd rather die. Yeah. Because you didn't destroy the Assyrians. And I sat out here to watch the fireworks and there's no fireworks. And so just kill me now. Mm. And you kind of got a repeat here with you. You've kind of, Jonah is kind of a repeat of where Moses is at. Yeah. You know, because you've, you've got both of them are rebellious people. Both of them are people that, you know, Jonah and Moses are just fed up with, sick of, don't want to have anything more to do with. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because if you look at other experiences in Moses' life, God's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Mm. And Moses is like, 
Ah, uh, nah, actually don't. Mm, mm. You know, if you're going to do that, blot me out of your book and he stands in there as an intercessor. Mm. So you can see that Moses truly did love these people. He did love this nation as rebellious it was as what it was. But you also see his humanity coming through here. Mm. And uh, he's he's really struggling with it. Okay, what does God have to say? Where do we get up to? Uh, we got up to verse 15, and now we're reading verse 16. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come and talk to you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I'll put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. And say to the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Oh, for some meat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have it to eat. And it won't be just for a day or for two or for five or for ten or for twenty. You will eat meat for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you. And you have whined to him saying, why did you ever leave? Why did we ever leave Egypt? Okay, so there we go. Somebody's actually texted through and they said, if you were in Moses' position, what would you think you would have said? He has a breaking point like all of us. Yeah, I'd do exactly the same thing. Probably, uh, if it was me, a lot earlier than what Moses did. You know, maybe within a few months rather than a few years down the track. Mm. Um, And and it's very true. We, you know, Moses was a human being. Mm. And and we see his humanity coming through. Uh, very clearly here. Now, here's, here's something interesting. They've been complaining about the food that they've been getting. And when you actually read that description of how they took the manna and the colour it was, the consistency it was, how they cooked it and how mm. it tasted like, you know, wafers made with olive oil. And, you know, I'm just sort of sitting here with my mouth watering. That's thinking, a Spanish breakfast, right? There. Yeah, this, this, is, <laughs> this is seriously good food. This is yeah. seriously good food. And it would be super healthy, mm. you know, super healthy, plant-based food, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, oh, we want meat. We had so much meat back in Egypt and we're lacking meat out here. Mm. And so God's like, okay, fine, I'll give you meat. Mm. And you lead on it and it won't do so good for you. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, have we got time to uh, to read? Yeah. To read the uh, the God's solution or what happens? Oh, yeah. Well, we just read he gives them enough you know, quails until they gag. Okay, so give them quails until they gag. So let's think about this for a moment. If you've been on a uh, plant-based diet for a while, your stomach just doesn't have the enzymes necessary to effectively digest meat. And it's going to take you a while of meat eating for your body to actually be able to adjust so that it can properly digest meat. And so as a result of that, you can just immediately there's going to be a physiological effect when they go from manna, which is super healthy food, to mm. quails, which is much less healthy food. Um, on top of that, you know, a lack of hygiene, uh, like kind of third world conditions. You can kind of see how things could go south really, really fast here and gastro sets in and this is a, you know, mm. a million plus people in a camp in a, you know, it could just spread like wildfire. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. 
Welcome back to Faith FM. We have come to the question of the daytime, but before we get into the questions there, I just want to remind you, we have a question of the day today. Uh, but before we get into question of the day, I wanted to remind you, you can, <laughs> you can give us calls 0491-064-669 and send us more questions of the day. Because we're about to get into one, but we would like to hear more. Usually we have a big backlog uh, of questions of the day, but not at the moment. So please send us some messages. Uh, send us some of your burning questions so that we can answer them on air. Indeed. We've got a couple of uh, text messages that we're going to cover right now that we missed earlier on. Uh, the first one says, is, is relating to, you know, controversial stuff in schools. I missed this one earlier. Uh, the only controversial in schools, the only thing controversial in schools now is God. Ooh. Um, it's the way Satan is perverting yeah, the heavy. world to his cause. And then uh, another text message here. If you were hungry and thirsty, what would you do? If all you had to eat was wheat bix every day for the rest of your life, how would you honestly feel? And I understand where this text message is coming from. I do believe that there is a lot more to this story than just eating wheat bix three meals a day every day. Mm. When you read the story of the manna, there was clearly a lot of different ways of being able to cook this manna. Mm. So that you could cook it sweet, you could cook it savoury. There was a lot of different things that you could do with it. It's a little bit like rice. You can do a lot of different mm. things with rice. Oh, I'd eat rice every day. And, um, and and the manner was the same thing. The other thing that we don't take into account was that this was a very, you know, we, we did talk about them being wealthy and, you know, they complained about not having flesh. They actually did have plenty of flesh. Mm. You know, they did have large flocks and herds and so forth that were travelling with them. Uh, they were just complaining about, you know, uh, they just wanted more variety than what they had, which is why God sent the quails in. And so when we work under the assumption that they just ate wheat picks every day, that is an assumption that is not based on what the Bible says and it's assuming more than what the Bible says. So God provides them their base diet of manna that they can then supplement in any which way that they like. Now, in the desert, you're going to need to have that that base diet to be able to survive, but that does not mean that you're not going to be able to you know, grow and produce a lot of other uh, uh, food that you can supplement that diet with. Mm. Okay, so let's go to our uh, question of the day. Question of the day. All right, our question of today is, uh, well, Julie wants to know, how many months does the mark of the beast last for? The Bible does not say. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious on this one. Why assume months? Hmm. It could be years, or it could be weeks, or it could be days. Okay, so here's what you've got with the mark of the beast. And we don't have time to go into all of the details in relationship to the mark of the beast, but we can read it in Revelation chapter 13 uh, very briefly here. The Bible says in verse 15, they had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast would both speak and force as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So that's a death penalty, mm. right? You continue on, he forces all small and great free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man can buy or sell except he that had the mark of the beast. And so what you've got here is stages of implementation. You've got uh, financial uh, pressure, uh, sanctions. You've got financial sanctions that are being placed against worshippers of God. 
and you have a death penalty. Now, sanctions are obviously going to come before death penalty. Mm. So you've got different stages of implementation of the mark of the beast. If we had time, we could go and do a Bible study and look at four very distinct stages that the mark of the beast goes through. Of course, the mark of the beast is all about worship. We need to understand that. It's not about technology. Technology can be used to enforce the mark of the beast, but the technology itself is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is all about worship. Now, when you go over to Revelation chapter 18, you're going to find the Bible describes a couple of different time periods associated with the mark of the beast. The Bible says, uh, for instance, in uh, verse 8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. They shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord uh, who does this. The Bible speaks about one day. If you were to take that in symbolic time, you would say that's a year, mm. except that the Bible says in another place, one hour. And both of these words simply mean a very short space of time. So we know that, and, and this, of course, you know, the, the plagues fall during the death penalty period. And so we do know that the mark of the beast will be here for a very short space of time. The original language means literally a short space of time. We don't know how short or how long that time will be. Let's Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.